Thank you for joining the Georgia Chamber podcast. For 105 years, we have been the leading voice of business in the state of Georgia. Through these podcasts, we want to help you better understand the issues facing our state and how your business can grow and prosper. Thanks for joining us. To learn more, go to www.gachamber.com. Today we have our good friend, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger with us, uh, and we're joined today again by the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Santiago Marquez is with us. Thank you for your support and sponsorship, and thank you all for taking the time to be with us today. Um, I want to remind you that we continue to update the Georgia Chamber uh, COVID-19 Resource and Recovery website. Uh, I'm happy to tell you, too, that last week we launched our Recovery and Resiliency Task Force of the Chamber to focus on the long-term economic downturn and how to help businesses be better prepared uh, for a continued ongoing either economic or pandemic crisis. And so you'll be able to get our latest updated research and provide your own feedback for the ideas of how to get Georgia's economy going again on that website, gachamber.com slash COVID-19. Also want to tell you about our two upcoming calls. Uh, on Thursday of this week, we'll be joined by U.S. Senator Kelly Loeffler, uh, who will talk about her efforts in Washington to address the economic downturn. And next Tuesday, we'll be joined by the EPD Regional Administrator to talk about uh, the work that they're doing at the federal level to help get projects up and running in the state of Georgia and help our economy move forward. Uh, and then hopefully next week, too, we'll be uh, launching our Resource and Resiliency Roundtables, where we'll be hosting different industry leaders to talk about the impact uh, of the pandemic and their path to recovery from different industry sectors. So some best practices there for you. So again, thank you for being with us, Santiago. I'll turn it over to you and let you say a few words and introduce our speaker. Great. Well, thank you, Chris. It's an honor to partner with you and thank you for leading the way for Georgia. Certainly, we were honored to, uh, to work with you and learn from you. And Mr. Secretary, thanks for being with us. We have followed a page out of, out of the, the roadmap from uh, the Georgia Chamber, and we also are updating our COVID-19 page daily. Uh, we obviously have a lot of information in Spanish. We know that it's tough for our Spanish-preferred uh, members and community to have access to information. So we've taken that upon ourselves, and so we are getting updates every day uh, from the White House, the Governor's Office, uh, the Georgia Chamber, and making sure that information is relevant and disseminated to our community. We also have uh, upcoming calls and the one, one of the ones that we have uh, in English is on Friday morning. It's our first uh, membership uh, breakfast that we have had in a while. It, is, uh, it will be done on Zoom and, and we actually have Chris Clark as one of our uh, speakers, as well as Gliani Fagundo, who's an attorney and employment lawyer. And we're gonna talk about reopening, right? The liabilities of reopening. Uh, from uh, the you know the business perspective and then the legal perspective, which I think will be very interesting. Um, but without further ado, I'd like to introduce our, our special uh, guest today, uh, a good friend, and uh, we're lucky to have him here in the state, the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. Mr. Secretary. Oh, thank you, Santiago. Thank you, Chris, for inviting me today. It's uh, just great to share with other small business owners uh, throughout the state of Georgia because we're really now taking the first steps coming out of the COVID, COVID crisis. And, you know, we need to work together safely and responsibly, you know, as best we can uh, to make sure that we keep Georgia the number one state to do, do business in. And uh, I think 
looking at the situation, we think there's two ways that we can keep Georgia number one coming out of the state uh, out of this crisis, and that's regulatory reform by cutting red tape and also bringing manufacturing to Georgia. And so how we plan for that recovery today and moving forward will greatly impact you know, our economic trajectory for the next several years. And I am a small business owner, and so I understand the issues that business owners like you uh, who sign the front of the checks are facing. I also know there are people out there who are very fearful they won't have a job anytime soon because of this crisis. And so yesterday, I had representatives of the Small Business Manufacturing Construction Engineering Committee from NFIB, AGC, and ACEC Georgia with me. But just like you, know, you, they're the heart and sinew of this economy. It's an economy that we need to jumpstart, but we need to do it safely and we need to do it thoughtfully. Uh, so far in 2020, here's some good news is that we've had 730,000 you know, businesses renew their corporations. And that's our corporations director. She takes a lot of pride in that, Anika Walker. And also Georgia's health emergency declaration since March 14th doesn't seem like it's really hurt job creation or business filings. We have 24,737 new business filings in the state of Georgia. And that just, I think, really shows you a testament to that entrepreneurial spirit that really is within all of us that are business owners. Uh, maybe we're half crazy sometimes, I don't know, but uh, we're always hopeful and optimistic. And I think at the end of the day, that's really what we need to lean into is that hopeful spirit that America always does win. Our entrepreneurs, our business owners always figure out a way. And that's what's made uh, this country great, made Georgia the number one place to do business. Uh, as you know, our office does provide uh, licenses to many of these workers, occupational professional licensing. We have over half a million of those folks. Uh, many of them are sole proprietors. So I think it makes sense for us to rely on these independent you know, business owners, these independent operators to make informed decisions about how they want to open up their businesses. Uh, many people aren't aware that we have a great program here in Georgia. It's led by Nula Zaharis. She's our securities director. It's called the Invest Georgia Exemption, which makes it easier to raise capital here in our state. Uh, and this exemption makes it easier to invest in new equipment and hire new skilled workers. With 86 companies that have already taken advantage of the SEC rule the last six years, Georgia has been its number one beneficiary. So we're leading the nation again in that component. So anyone that's interested in the Invest Georgia program, please contact our office. And I think also uh, the big takeaway for me, and hopefully for many of you other, has been that the COVID crisis has been a wake-up call on so many fronts. But as business owners, we know that we're going to have to understand what's happened, but it's going to give us an opportunity to grow and adapt, not just to retreat. You know, first, obviously, we need to survive. Um, I get that as a business owner. But then after that, we need to think, okay, I've survived. Now I need to focus on getting stronger, and I don't need to become weaker. I can't just stay and tread where I've been. And so I see a hopeful future for how we can manufacture, build, and control our own lives. And as I said before, with the Lord's help, working together, we'll work through this and we'll come out on the other side. Uh, I wanna make sure that Georgia remains the number one you know, state to do business. We have a, had a great history the last several years, going back to Nathan Deals, the first one to claim you know, the number one state, and now it's been six, seven years running. And so we don't want to lose that. And so whatever we can do, what I can do with Georgia Chamber to partner with you, uh, Chris and I mentioned before we got started, 
uh, front page uh, center was the Wall Street Journal article about liability um, reform to make sure that people that are out there working really diligently keep their workers safe, you know, don't end up becoming the target of a lawsuit. So those are the type of things that uh, whatever we can do to help you in our Office of Secretary of State, uh, we're just excited about. And we do more than just elections, but I'm more than happy to field any questions you might have. So Chris and Santiago, thanks for reaching out and uh, invite me to be part of your program today. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. I think you, you covered a lot there. And I think there's a lot more. Obviously, your office has a, such a huge impact on economic development in this state. Uh, so let's kind of dive into a few of those. But I do want to thank you for recognizing the need for liability protection. We know that Congress is working on it. But we also know that we need protections here in Georgia. We do appreciate Governor Kemp, who uh, didn't uh, liability protection for those frontline health care workers, which have really saved our hospitals and helped our, um, our response. But now we need to move that, as you said, into the manufacturing, those guys that are doing PPEs and other liability issues. So we'll make that, hopefully everybody on this call knows we're going to make that a top priority. Uh, you had a, a, an announcement yesterday. Uh, you mentioned it briefly there, but you also, in that announcement, talked about uh, changing licensing requirements and making it easier for people to get back to work uh, and to streamline that process. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you envision here over the next few weeks from a licensure and a, a regulatory reform standpoint? Well, we're working on that right now. But if you look at uh, the professional occupational uh, licensing umbrella, we have right now over 40 different boards and uh, over 135 different licenses but they really fall almost, you could say, into three baskets. One would be the health sciences, your nurses, and other people in that area. And then you also have your professional, your architects, your engineers, your contractors, your geologists, those folks. And then the third one would be more, I'd say, occupational. And the, the occupational are some of those folks, like your electrician, your plumbers, your, your cosmetologists, your, your barbers, your hairstylists. And so how do we help lower some of the barriers for the, some of those occupations? The health area is one that I, I would tread very, very uh, cautiously on, particularly with COVID-19. I really uh, let some of the health experts speak into that on what we need to do there. Uh, but on the professional side and also on the occupational side, if there's some reform we can do, we, as you saw during the COVID-19, for uh, nurses that were coming out of Georgia, we really accelerated them being able to get a, a temporary license so they could practice nursing here in Georgia. We understood the critical nature of that. So that maybe was a one-off, but what we could do going forward. And so we're looking at that now because we really wanna make sure that we don't increase barriers. Uh, we wanna make sure that people do a good job. When you're an electrician, I, don't, I wouldn't wanna be one of those things I electrocute myself but you also don't want to create barriers to, to keep someone from, you know, enjoying their profession and tying them up in needless red tape and uh, expensive uh, continuing education. It doesn't really serve a purpose. So your hope is to have a bill then for the, the session that we presume will start in June here. Yeah. So we expedite that. So if people have suggestions, ideas, questions, is there some, is there a website or a number that they could call with your office? Yeah, just, I, Call or uh, email me, Brad at you know sos.ga.gov. Uh, you know some of the best ideas I get always come out of a small business arena because we're the ones that are really really close to the line. Uh, our we as as you know, small business owners we're typically under undercapitalized. We don't have public financing. We're not publicly traded. So what we have is what we have in our back pocket or in the bank, and so we're always leaning there and we're 
in many respects, really, really close to our employees just because it's more of a family type uh, arrangement. And so we, we see the pain points that our people have, we see the pain points we have, and we see the pain points our friends have. And so I think it makes us very adaptable, very responsive. So I think if we lean into that, uh, just like we saw with you know, the PPP, you know, where the responsiveness came from, is a lot of our community banks really jumped in in a tremendous way. It's really wonderful to see that support. Sure. Thank you. Uh, Santiago? Yes. Mr. Secretary, um, in, in, our, in our community, the food and beverage sector is, is, is enormous. And, um, you know, we've heard from different uh, members of our chamber. Some have opened, some haven't. Some have opened one location. Um, what are you hearing in terms of the reopening of businesses, in particular in the food and beverage sector? And how can we do a better job? You know, we're offering our help here. Uh, to you of getting information out so that so that the owners feel more comfortable reopening their restaurants? Well, it's really making sure that we keep paramount, you know, the health and safety of our, our workers and then also our customers. And I think the governor has put out some guidelines on that and it really actually provides a platform with a lot of flexibility. But I think if we use our best judgment, I think the other thing that we need to be mindful of, uh, a friend of ours mentioned to my wife, uh, that she was out in the store and she was wearing a mask and she was in her, you know, maybe she's 40 years old, but an older elderly couple came up to her and said, I want to thank you for wearing a mask. And so if we don't think we're in that high risk group, we say, why do we need to wear a mask? But, you know, someone that may be in the high risk group, they really value that you are a mask. So those are the type of things. Uh, there's some great guidelines that the governor's put out. And we just need to really, you know, use a lot of our thoughtfulness and kindness and consideration of others as we move in through this process. We need to get people back to work. We understand how critical it is, but we have to also balance that with the health of, you know, our general population also. Those are great, great points. We can all use a little more charity in our lives right now and a little more kindness. That's a great point. And, and I worry about that idea of, of kindness. I know one of the things you guys do, Mr. Secretary, is that y'all oversee um, and help inform us of fraud that happens out there. And unfortunately, in times of need, we do see people try to take advantage of, of folks' good nature. Um, I know you just put out a press release. Um, today's Global Giving Tuesday. I think every Tuesday now is Giving Tuesday to our nonprofits. But have you seen an increase in fraudulent, you know, investor opportunities or other kind of charitable giving campaigns? And if you've seen an uptick, give us some um, some guidelines or some advice about how to deal with those. We have seen an increase, and in the and the best way really is to really do do your own research. You have to, unfortunately. Not everyone's going to be as honest as you. And so there's people out there, there's scoundrels out there always looking at ways of making a fast dollar. And so you really have to do some research. Is it, are they a member of the Better Business Bureau? You know, do they, are they incorporated? Uh, you know, are there any, uh, is there any information out there? The Secretary of State's website, uh, we do post, you know, companies that aren't uh, acting uh, appropriately, but uh, we have seen a, the uptick in that. But also, if you just look at, uh, I know that people have been getting emails, uh, your, your credit card has been denied. And then if you look, it's not a credit card you even use. So a lot of that is just phishing attempts. So people are out there. They're very active right now. Uh, they have nothing better to do or they're getting desperate too. And so they're trying to raise dollars through illegal methods and scams. So uh, you have to really be careful. Make sure it's a trusted source. Great. 
Santiago. Yes, thank you, Chris. Mr. Secretary, I'd like to change this a bit and, and talk about the election that's coming. <laughs> um, I just, I know that we just sent in our request for our absentee ballots here in my household. Um, and, and so can you tell us a little bit, you know, where we are with that, um, the date of the election and, and where we are in the process of absentee voting and then in-person voting? Because uh, I know there's, there's probably a lot of, you know, people may have not been thinking about the election, may not be top of mind right now, right? So um, can you kind of give us an update on all of that, please? Sorry. Okay, thanks. Well, first off, uh, we recognize the situation that we're in. So we took the unprecedented step and we mailed out absentee ballot request forms to 6.9 million uh, active registered voters. And of that, so far 1 million, over 1 million have already you know, sent back their applications and yes, like to have a ballot. And the other marked they wanted a Democrat ballot, Republican ballot, or an independent ballot. Uh, and we now have mailed out 600,000 of those ballots. So those are out there in the mail. Yeah, those should be showing up in your mailbox uh, quickly. Everyone needs to know they have three choices of voting. You can vote with uh, no excuse absentee voting, which you've been able to do since 2005. Then we have early voting that is gonna start on Monday, May 18th. And we'll have three weeks of that. And then we also have the day of the election on Tuesday, June 9th. So those are three options that you have. Uh, the most important thing is uh, if you're going to wanna to vote absentee is you know get, your abs you get that application. And if you haven't received one, call your county election office and they'll send one out to you. But get that back in the mail so we can get the ballot out to you because it has to be received no later than 7 p.m. on Tuesday, June 9th. So we want to give you lots of options. What's really exciting is that we've heard that there's been polling out there. and Over 70% of the people have supported, you know, the method that we've changed. Because we've done it 180. We had brand new machines we had put into place and we had used those for two weeks of the presidential primary. And then we had to do a major shift. And when you think about how quickly we turned that around, we got those applications out in six days from the day we made the decision to actually start the mailing out. Our, our Donnelly came alongside of us, their tremendous partner. We got that out in six days. That's, that's something that you'd see from the free market. And to think that a government agency was able to do that. I think we deserve some credit for that. And really it's our team. They, they just didn't work uh, nine to five. They were working long hours to make that happen. It was a tremendous, uh, you know, opportunity. On a couple of questions on on the election piece there. So you do have the new machines. So, yes. Secretary, you you feel very comfortable then with the security of those machines. I know earlier. I mean, that's that was the intent is to have something that's more secure, easier to back up, and you had that dry run in March. You comfortable with what you've seen? Oh yeah, absolutely. They were working great. People loved them. Uh, biggest issue we have right now is obviously the average age of poll workers is over 70 years old. And yeah. so uh, what we're encouraging is we're trying to work through our student ambassadorship program, which we're you know, students over the age 16 and older that can uh, be a poll worker. But also we're encouraging both political parties. I know you like to do poll watching. How about becoming a poll worker? Uh, you know, we could really use you right now. And then you also see the whole process and then you really you know, understand what's going on. It'll make you a better poll watcher on the next election cycle. But right now we could really use more poll workers. We don't expect as big a turnout, obviously, uh, for in-person voting. Uh, obviously more and more people have seen the benefit during the COVID-19 crisis to vote absentee. 
Right. If, if someone wants to volunteer or if our local chambers uh, want to encourage their members to volunteer, do they do that through the county or, is there a, or go to your website? What's the, well, what's the best uh, You can go to securevoteGA.com and there's a box right there that you can check and just check that off. And we've had you know, several people have done that. And by getting that information, we forward that on to the counties. So if you live in DeKalb County, we'll send it to DeKalb. You live out there in Bartow County, we'll send it to Bartow, wherever, wherever you live we'll get that to the county, but we've had people doing that. But then also contact your county election board, 159 counties. Trust me, we need lots of poll workers. Mr. Secretary, I have a, a follow-up question on that. So if you order the absentee ballot, um, are you beholden to that then? I mean, so in other words, I order my absentee ballot and I say, oh, you know, I want to go vote in person. Um, if you, well, there's, that's a good question, Diego. If you change your mind, you have to bring your absentee ballot with you. Otherwise, you know, we're going to think that you're voting absentee. So that's the one challenge that we have. So if you decide, oh, I want to go ahead. Uh, but also, if you could bring your absentee ballot all fi filled out, and then you could show up in person, and then you could just go ahead and we can and take you off the roll, or you could just drop it in a drop box there also. It really gives you the flexibility, but don't leave it at home. It doesn't, uh, it's gonna be considered, it's out there. It just makes it very difficult on, you know, yourself and also on the county election officials. So, you know, really it's it's best to make what decision on what you wanna do and then just, you know, stick with it. Secretary, a couple of questions here on a, a, some of our members are, are wondering you know, they're making decisions about bringing their own employees back to the office. What are you doing in Secretary of State's office? Are you guys, have you been working remotely? When will your team go back in? Do you have as a split schedule? Tell us about how you're doing that for the state. Uh, we jumped on uh, working remotely very quickly and 100% of our employees are actually working uh, remotely. The one challenge that we had was really with our investigators because some of that was going out and, you know, visiting, you know, so we had some challenges with that. But our corporations have been all, and we've not missed a beat. So corporations, licensing, everyone's working at home and we're watching their productivity. So we were able to do that. I think a lot of businesses have been able to do that. I know in my you know, businesses, our engineers and our drafters and our accounting folks, they can work remotely. And then our, obviously our plant production workers are working inside our plant facility. We've spaced them out. We've given them PPE uh, and we you know, really try to monitor that. Our construction field workers are out there just like in other you know, sites. We have crews right now at the BA Medical Center in Biloxi. So you know, we're, we're out there just like everyone else. It depends what, what your environment is. If you go back to Santiago's, you know, if you're in dealing with the public face-to-face, -face, it just makes it a lot more complicated if you're in the restaurant industry. Uh, you look at about what's happened to the rental car industry, the airline industry. It's... Um, has been very extensive, you know, the economic damage and harm. Mr. Secretary, what, what advice and along the lines of the, the question that Chris asked, um, you know, for example, uh, we are housed at the Georgia Chamber. Uh, the Georgia Chamber starts reopening this month, you know, in terms of a staggered, staggered schedule. We're not going to do it until June just because, you know, we have a smaller, older workforce and we've decided, hey, what's best for us is June, right? So, but what advice do you have for businesses, small businesses that are, that are that are listening right now, in terms of reopening, I think there's so many questions and concerns. Um, is it about feeling comfortable and 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 what works best for you, 
or what's what are maybe two or three tips that you can give small business owners as they're wondering and thinking about reopening? Well, I think that uh, face masks are going to become a, a way of, of uh, we're going to accept that. We're going to expect uh, particular people in the food industry, you know, that are, you know, wearing face masks. It's just going to be that one of those things that you're going to have to get used to. Uh, and so you're going to see more of that, obviously, uh, spacing out people wherever you can. It makes it difficult in some environments. Um, and then it's really, you have to really look at where you are. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable going back to work, then, you know, I would say then you need to stay at home. The challenge that people have is that some people have to work. They don't have any other economic choice. But if you're at a point in your life where you have your 401k, you, you are retired, then obviously you can continue to self-isolate and you don't have to come out and work and play. But uh, other people have to work. And so it's balancing, you know, what does that look like? And I think it's really one of those kind of, it, it, there's really no hard and fast rule. We have some guidelines. And at the end of the day, we have to use our best judgment. But always think about the other person. Think about yourself. And it's, it's uh, we're all connected believe it or not, because we don't know where that person that we just talked to, where who they just talked to before. We had our, our grandson over yesterday, and he pretty much goes, you know, our house to our daughter-in-law's house. But other than that, but where else, you know, you know, it's just that you know, connectivity. And so it's one of those kind of things that you have to really be uh, mindful of at all times. Brad, I think we're all, we all feel fortunate that we have not only a governor, but also a lieutenant governor and a secretary of state who are all are businessmen who understand what we're going through right now. And so thank you for bringing that, that view into public service and thank you for agreeing to, to serve. I have one last question for you before we, we wrap it up today. What's keeping you up at night right now, either from the personal business standpoint or from the secretary of state, as you look at the economic downturn and the pandemic, you know, as we continue to work through it, What's keeping you up at night? I think that uh, overarching is really the economy. I don't think the economy is something you just turn it on and off. And so that if you're really out there, you know, some people will say, well, how do I get started again? Because it's, you, got, it's just, you can't just jumpstart it. When we had economic downturns, we always were able to go out there and you still go to a restaurant. But when you just shut things off and I'll say, okay, now you can go out. Well, if people, don't, if people have been spending all their money, you know, just to you know, get through this last two months, you know, where are they going to have, how are they going to afford to go out to eat? How are they going to afford to do this? And so it's, it's really difficult. And so I think it's going to be a, a longer time. I think that uh, we're going to have to really work and figure out what this new economy looks like. But I think also our big takeaway is I think hopefully we've learned that we have to become more self-reliant in America, that we have to have make enough of the critical stuff here that's made in America. And I hope that leads to more manufacturing. I hope that leads to more manufacturing in Georgia, because that's great, because manufacturing jobs, if you look at what people are making, you know, we have people that make contact lenses in Johns Creek or people that make uh, cars down in West Point, Georgia, you know, they're, 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 their wages are really strong. And so, you know, blue collar wages, they're not really blue collar from that historical perspective. It's a high tech job, you know, working in a high tech industry with some great wages. So more manufacturing is a good thing for America. I think it's also a good thing for the entire state of Georgia. So that's one of the things is, you know, can we restart the economy and how does that, how can we get it going? That's my biggest concern. I'm afraid that it may be uh, a long time and a rough road ahead. And so we're, we have to really work together and think out of the box and what can we do to help our small business owners. 
Because when a small business prospers, I really believe that our communities prosper. And I think that then the entire economy will prosper. And I think big business will, you know, obviously come back as our small business and our communities do better also. Eventually people will be flying again, people will be connecting more. And so I think it'll lift all, but it has to start at the community level, which is really our small businesses. Right. Thank you, Mr. Secretary Santiago. Any last thoughts or comments before I wrap it up? I just want to echo what you were saying. I, I do feel fortunate that we have uh, a business person in this role and we appreciate your support and your accessibility and um, you know, whatever we can do to help you get the message out to our businesses and our voters, we're here to help count on us.